0: Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Kiara Rodriguez was a grand finalist in this year's Toyota Starmaker competition held during the Tamworth Country Music Festival, not long after she released her latest single, Message in a Bottle, and we're going to talk about both of those things. Hi, Kiara.
1: Hi, Sophie. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It's great to talk to you again, and I'm going to start with Starmaker. How was your Starmaker experience?
1: It was It was amazing. I just. I have no words, but I have so many words at the same time. Um, it was such a positive experience and, you know, it can be daunting kind of going into such a big competition and, you know, the stakes are high, but overall I'm glad I did it. I didn't come out with the title in the end, but it was just such a nice experience. We had a really strong top ten, but a really warm and friendly top ten. Like the, there were no egos, no, none of the, you know, none of the frills or airs about anyone. And so it was such a positive experience. On the night I almost, and I think we all felt this way, we almost forgot it was a competition. We were all just, you know, backstage you would have seen us dancing and singing along to each other's songs, and um, you almost forgot it was a competition right up until that big moment at the end there. So I was just honoured to be up on that stage and thousands of people turned up on the night. So, you know, and to play with a band like that, it's a a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and uh, I was so grateful.
0: Uh, I'm wondering, since you've been to the Academy, were there any of your fellow Academy graduates in the Starmaker field this year?
1: I'm trying to think, maybe not in my year, and I'm going to say that and then I'm going to feel really silly because I'll be like, oh, it was so-and-so. Not that I can think of yeah. from my year in Academy, junior or senior, um, but definitely filled with a lot of the Academy graduates, which is great, and it just shows how valuable the Academy is in teaching young musicians and, and older musicians as well how to hone their craft and doing academy, doing it as a junior and as a senior, both of those experiences really prepared me to be up on that big stage because you're not just learning how to sing at academy, you're learning your stage craft and it's it's a whole package and that's what StarMaker is all about as well.
0: Having said that, you did enter Talent Quest from quite a young age. So I I would think that, you know, you were, might have been a little bit relaxed in that environment or was it just, I having been to Star Maker last year to the grand final, mm. it was full on. Like the, the pace at which everything was happening, you know, one artist was on, then they were off, and then it was like this. And so it's yeah. not like your own gig, but it is, I suppose, like the Talent Quest you're used to.
1: Definitely. And, look, it has been a little while. It's probably been about 10 years since I did my last Talent Quest. So I was going, I have not felt this sort of an environment in a, in a long time. But um, I think as well, the Talent Quest circuit really prepares you because you're dissecting every part of your performance, not only your performance, how you're marketing your brand on social media and how you're interacting with the band and your professionalism. And the Talent Quest circuit was really valuable in that sense because you got to practice those skills every time you did a talent quest you know simple things like making sure your charts were all professional for the band and and telling the band how your song goes all of those things kind of translate albeit a more professional sense 10 years later but um it's there's still skills that you that I built on and then could draw upon so so grateful that all of those prior experiences could come in handy
0: there are also professional skills that you developed at quite a young age, like at an age when most kids are not thinking about professional anything. You were you were clearly doing that. I mean, it was not just getting into the telequist, it was it was getting to the academy at a young age and then going again. So I guess it, that suggests you had this clear conception of of what you wanted to do. And you also had an appreciation that there were steps needed to get there.
1: Definitely, and for me, my parents were lucky. I wasn't a sporty kid at all, and I'm still very much not a sporty person, um, so music was it for me in terms of those hobbies that I pursued outside of school. Um, so, yeah, it, it just, I always sort of had that drive, even, even um, growing up. I was quite a serious kid. I think I've actually um, aged down as I get older, uh, but I was very serious and very motivated and always had that sort of work ethic behind me, and I just wanted to be better and better and better and the biggest competition is yourself in those sort of sort of games so for me it's it's really been like you said those series of steps and and working out what does it take to get to that next level and I don't think you ever stop doing that as a performer and as an artist it's always there's always something bigger which can feel like a bit of a rat race sometimes but in the, the thing that's positive about it, I think, is that you're always learning and always trying new things and and expanding. And even in the last couple of years, I'm looking back and going, actually, no, I'm, I'm still sort of progressing and really proud that I'm still sort of putting in the work for it.
0: Yeah. Now, Star Maker is a competition for artists who are at a certain stage of their career. The perception mm-hmm. might be that it's for um, like really emerging artists, but it's not. You have to have a certain amount of music release from what I understand. You need to be Making connections in the industry and thinking about yourself as a as an artist in a particular way. So, given that you have released music in the past, I'm wondering why you decided that now is the right time for you to enter Star Maker.
1: Yeah, I think for me there was, um, I guess, a, a lot of decisions, a lot of factors coming into that decision. Um, I think having graduated uni and obviously then COVID happened, um, I was I felt like I was in a position to sort of grab grab that opportunity with both hands and not even just about winning, but more so being a finalist. Mm. Um, I think you have to be at that certain level. You have to have your head really focused and in the game and you have to be prepared to take the opportunities that come with being a star maker finalist. And if you're fortunate enough to win as well. So for me, I'd sort of ticked off a lot of those life goals that were really important in terms of being financially stable and getting my degree and and setting, setting my speech pathology career up. And so bar the years of COVID that kind of, we don't talk about it and kind of, we didn't get to experience. I think this is like my, I finish uni. This is, you know, something that I'm ready to commit to. And I'm really glad. I think I look back at previous years where I thought I was a bit ready. And um, I think this year I really felt like it was the best position to be in and I'm glad I, I waited.
0: Yeah. I saw a picture of you on your social media um, playing the guitar. The guitar that you played in the final was a Mini Mason that you had bought in 2008 mm-hmm. with money from one of your first Talent Quest wins. So did you play it for sentimental reasons or is it your favourite guitar?
1: A bit of both. Um, I definitely, it's it's got all those sentimental reasons. Um, growing up, that was, you know, um, my parents spent all their time and money taking me to these Talent Quests and, you um, This was the Charters Towers Country Music Festival, which is still going up north in um, North Queensland. And uh, it was such a sentimental moment to have. You know, I had a few little cheap guitars, but your your Mini Matins are quite a a good, solid guitar. Um, I loved it because it was Mini at the time. And I thought, oh, maybe one day I'll outgrow it. And I kind of never did. I stayed the same height as I was (laughs) when I was about 12. Um, So very sentimental, but also a very nice guitar to play as well. And I'm always a big fan I mix it up I've got a tailor and uh it just depends depends what the mood is but I think um it was a bit of a good luck charm on the night
0: is that a guitar you write songs on
1: yeah I like to switch it up as well so with um I feel like you can get a different song depending on which guitar you write a song on I know it, it sounds strange and like you can have two acoustic guitars but they just have a different feel and sometimes you'll just need that guitar for that particular song um so it just depends it's a guitar that I've written many many songs on many um teenage broken hearts were sort of written with that guitar so um yes very sentimental but also a pleasure to play
0: and the way you described your process then sounds like you get the idea for the song and then you think that's the guitar I want to play on them as opposed to just picking up a guitar and then seeing what idea develops
1: Definitely. I'm very much an ideas person and it's so interesting to see how every artist writes a little bit differently and their process is totally different. Um, but for me, I am I have that idea in my head. I have the concept and it's often this twisty concept. Um, so for things like high school reunion, just that concept of a high school reunion and showing up and, and not having anything to show was in my head before I had any lyrics or melody. And so that kind of shapes the vibe of the song. Um, back at my parents' house, I have a 12-string guitar and that the sound of that is like if you can imagine really old school Taylor Swift when she was first starting, like the Fearless album and her debut um, album as well. They had a lot of the twelve strings, and so those kind of songs are kind of go to the twelve string. But it's good to mix things up, I think.
0: Yeah. Now, from what I understand, in Star Maker, you have to perform at least one original song, and I'm guessing that the original song for you this year was "Message in a Bottle" because you released yeah. it just before the final. So was that the case? Yeah.
1: That's correct. So I think um, I think it's technically it has to be one Australian song, so it has to be written oh, yeah. by someone who's Australian, um, but that can be yourself um, or it can be an Australian cover. Um, so it was good to have that choice and sort of toss up, you know, what's going to help me put my best foot forward. Um, for me it was really um, exciting because I'd already had this release planned prior to like I'd entered Star Maker, I hadn't heard back, but I, I just thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to keep chugging along with, What I'm doing regardless and so it just timed well and uh, I had this release ready to go and I was also really proud of the song I I was um you know just it was a song that I really enjoyed performing I felt showcased my writing um it's a little bit different a little bit left of center to songs I've previously released but um I really wanted something that sort of started with a bang and and uh I hope I did that (laughs)
0: Yeah, it is a different song to High School Reunion, for example, which is a a bit more of an upbeat uh, tone. Has it has more of an upbeat tone to it? Um, It's a real heartbreaker in a way. Message in a bottle, in that your voice sounds heartbroken somehow, and there's this lovely rich tone to it. And then you wrote it with Katrina Burgoyne, who is an Australian artist based in Nashville. How did that connection happen?
1: Yeah, so that was actually through the Academy of Country Music. So this was um, part of the co-write opportunities that you get. When you attend the academy, and I got paired with Katrina, and I had the chorus of this song for I think a couple years. And it actually, and that's quite unusual for me. I'm normally, I get a song idea and I write it and it's done. Um, but this song, I just, I'd never finished it. I'd written some versey stuff around it, but I never really was happy with it. And so when I got told that Katrina would be my co-writer or well, my co-writing mentor, I thought this is a Katrina Burgoy song. Like, you know, having followed Katrina and her career and, and knowing the songs that she writes, I thought this would be such a fantastic co-write with Katrina. And I, I feel like I wasn't wrong. I was so happy with how it turned out and it was such a positive experience. It was actually my first time co-writing. So uh, really grateful for the opportunities. And like I said, the Academy just always offers so many opportunities and opens so many doors.
0: Mm. so you said you'd carried a bit of it with you for a while what was the original spark for the song
1: um it's hard to remember now it's been that long I think for me a lot of this wasn't it, it surely wasn't a heartbreak that I'd been through because I think I've been with my partner James now for about coming up on nine years so I'm pretty sure it wasn't it wasn't anything that I'd taken from my own personal life but it's often um you'll be around friends or family members who are going through that breakup and uh with the song it's it's message in a bottle it's clearly a drinking heartbreak song I haven't you know I don't really drink I'm one (laughs) wine and I fall asleep um and heartbreak is not something I've experienced in a long time but creative license and you know sometimes I watch a tv show or a movie and and that kind of inspires a song so
0: yeah but given how um how real it sounds in the song you know how your vocal really brings that story out when you're in the studio do you put yourself almost in a character frame of mind like you you become a character who's telling that story
1: yeah definitely so um while all the recording was mostly done with Nash Chambers over in Nashville um I did the vocals here well not here but up in Newcastle with Liam Kennedy Clark um and he's got a great little studio and we had so much fun but definitely when you're in the studio you've got to really think about how your voice is sounding because you're not, the person on the other end is not seeing all your emotion and and your face and in your your arms. And of course, you'll see me behind the mic and I'm doing all of that, but you need to make sure that it comes through in your voice. So you can almost hear a smile in someone's voice or hear that, like you said, hear that sorrow. So it's definitely important to sort of step into character. Sometimes I'll pull out, you know, an experience I've had many, many moons ago and it's not not so relevant to me now, but relevant to the song and and getting right. into that headspace. So it definitely is like playing a character because you've only got your voice to convey that that emotion.
0: Yeah, is that something that you've learned over time as a technique, almost like as you you know as you developed your skills through going to the academy and various other things? Is it something that you just realised, oh, I have to I have to try to inhabit this person, or do you think it's something that you clicked into fairly young?
1: Um, Definitely not fairly young. Um, I think when I was young I'd sing songs like Stand By Your Man and Crazy and I always got very confused because people would say, you don't know the meaning of the song, why are you singing it? And i like, I do know, I know what the words mean. It's not, you know, I understand it. But I think there's a whole different um, level of maturity and a level of understanding that comes with actually just living life. And I'm not saying you have to have an adult heartbreak and have a teenage heartbreak or, you know, having those experiences really change how you are as a singer. So you look at videos of me singing when I was 9 or 10 and I'm just sort of singing straight-faced and I'm doing the emotion, but it's not, it's not, it's not coming from somewhere within because when you're nine, no one's breaking your heart. You know, there's there's much, much like less severe things to worry about. But um, definitely now, even though I haven't felt heartbreak in a long time, I know what that feels like and I know I have a much higher awareness. So I think it's something that I knew intellectually when I was young, but actually until you've lived, and I'm not saying you have to have a heartbreak experience to know how to sing about heartbreak, but I think it's just a general lived experience that really, contributes as to how you connect with the song
0: yeah and I think part of the skill too in bringing a vocal like yours to life is is this post-pandemic way of working Nash is in Nashville Mm -hmm. producing the song you go to work with Liam in Newcastle and the vocal has to be produced there without the context of the producer of the track sitting there so uh, did it feel slightly discombobulated or do you just think this is this is the way we're doing it now
1: I think for me, so I've done I've done both. Um, obviously, post-pandemic now we we do things a little bit differently. Um, it was great. So how it worked was I do a guide vocal here. Like I've got some equipment here that I can just use. I send that off to Nash and then Nash gets all the amazing musicians, which on this track included Jed Hughes. So I was just, you know, fangirling a little bit and then he won CMAA Musician of the Year at the Golden Guitars and I was like, ah, so so exciting, um, and so he sends the track then that's finished with all the different musicians and, and backing vocals and stuff, and then I do my um, I do my final vocals. So it's not so much the studio experience where you sit down with all the musicians, but I think even pre COVID that we weren't doing that a lot. We were often sourcing musicians from the states, and so um, it's it's nice to have a base here in. The Sydney, the greater Sydney area to sort of, you know, know that it's not, it doesn't have to be a trip to Nashville every time we record a song. Yeah. But also, it'd be nice. So I'm not ruling it out to, you know, going over there and doing some writing and recording there. Um, it just means that we can put more music out without, you know, the, the plane ticket and all of, all of those added costs. So um, maybe one day a trip to Nashville again. But um, it, yeah, it certainly is an interesting way of working. But I don't find it harder I think I think it's still quite easy once all those musicians send those tracks back you're like oh wow this is so much different to just sitting and singing to the guide guitar so
0: yeah right so I can't actually remember who produced High School Reunion so I don't know if Nash has actually produced you before or if this is the first time
1: no this was the first time so Liam produced High School Reunion um as well and I was you know so so happy with his production like he, I really just said this is the vibe I'm going for and Liam brought it to life and uh um, I guess through Instagram, I'd made a connection with Nash, and then um, yeah, got the opportunity to to re- work with him and record. and uh, it was great to sort of still have Liam on board as well because he's he's such a great producer and he's he's also got his own vision as well. But um to be able to do the vocals with Liam and then have the production done by Nash, it was kind of the best of both worlds.
0: Now, your work as a speech pathologist, so remember we talked about it a bit last time I interviewed you, and I'm so curious about how it influences you as a singer, because you're obviously very aware of how sounds are formed, mm-hmm. and you're clearly very articulate when you're speaking. Um, <laughs> so have you found that it's been useful technically for you as a singer?
1: Mm, I think when I started learning all the bits about voice and vocal health and the therapies we do, say, when singers get nodules and all of that, um, I looked back to the vocal coaches that I've had over the years, so singing teachers, and I went, actually, they were teaching me the technique that we teach people with nodules so that they can sing healthily. And I went, oh, my goodness, thank, thank goodness that I've had such great vocal coaches. They've actually been teaching me. They're probably the reason really why I haven't had nodules, even though I sing so much and so often. Um, so it was really interesting to go, Oh, I've been doing the right thing and and you know, things like forward resonance techniques to reduce the strain on your voice and bring it all, bring the sound out into your face. Things that, you know, you just learn as a kid in a singing teacher studio and you go, Oh, that's so important um, and it's it's good for me sometimes i have to take my own advice like drink a bit more water and not have so much coffee um, but it definitely gives you a whole new appreciation and vice versa as well i see a lot of stroke patients and sometimes the only thing they have left is their ability to sing so sometimes it's just about bringing a bit of joy and singing this old country song that this 80 year old patient you know knows and um, so they kind of overlap in in uh, both ways yeah reciprocally yeah.
0: It's amazing how the brain works differently with music than with speech so that yes mm-hmm. a, a whole song can be remembered when speech might be difficult.
1: Definitely and we use those sort of networks to compensate and rebuild speech and and rewire and 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 use different parts of our brain so um it's it's so interesting I I just knew when I heard about speech pathology as a degree that that's what I wanted to do because it combines my love of music it's a bit sciencey but it's also so much a people-based profession and you spend a lot of time with your patients and with your clients and uh, it just has all of the elements that I, I love.
0: Although I am curious now about what coffee does to the voice when you said don't do yeah. t- <laughs>
1: <laughs> So coffee and tea um, they're fine in small amounts as an everything in moderation, right? Um, But with the caffeine, and even tea has some caffeine, that will be a diuretic, so it dries things like your vocal cords out. Mm -hmm. So um, in Tamworth, for instance, a few days before Star Maker or maybe five days, I stopped drinking coffee and I thought, no, because Tamworth gets very dry in January, as you know, so I went, no, I'm going to do everything right um, so it's just little, knowing little things like that, I think that it, that are helpful. And I, am someone who, I don't keep those things to myself. I'm a big oversharer. And, you know, if anyone loses their voice in Tamworth, I'll be like, here's my unsolicited advice because <laughs> yeah, I want you to get better. So, um, yeah, it's a bit like that. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, and there are, you know, there are lots of things singers have to think about, you know, how far ahead of singing, you stop eating, for example. So yeah. that, that's not in your stomach. Yeah. Lots of rules that obviously yes. works for you because you made that grand final. Um, but having said that about your work as a speech pathologist, I was reading that you are you are backing off a little bit this year because you have some more music plans. And so I'm wondering or maybe other plans. I'm wondering what your music plans are for
1: the year. Yeah, definitely. So I'm hoping to work towards an EP and uh, obviously it's it's still a crazy year. I've stepped back a bit from work and, and gone part-time and uh, just thinking a bit more flexibly with how I do sort of both careers. And uh, for me, it's really, I want to focus on writing co-writing a lot um that's something that that's my focus for the the next couple of months and then putting out an ep um so with some more original music and uh hoping to work with nash again to get a few more songs out and and um have a physical ep which is nice because i haven't had a physical release in the in a little while so um all very exciting and then we're planning a wedding which will be going ahead in september so As much as I feel like I've stepped back from speech pathology, I feel like my brain and my life is very, very full at the moment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So those uh, co-writes you're talking about, are these, much like other things in post-pandemic land, are they mainly Zoom co-writes? Is the physical co writer somewhat gone out the window?
1: Uh, I think for me it's still important to, you know, be there in person for a co-write. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not dissing Zoom by any means. Like it's great when you physically can't get to each other. But I think for for instance, last week I was up in Brisbane and I thought, let's use that opportunity. So I hit up a few other musos and we we got some songs done. And so I think using that, because I'm often between Brisbane, that's where I grew up and that's where my parents are. So um, I'm often flying back and forth. So using those kind of opportunities, it's definitely good that we get to do things like Zoom. But um It's quite nice, I think, to still um, catch up with a friend. And even if you don't write a good song, you've had a good cup of tea and a a good good catch-up. So um, I'm still, yeah, still really trying to do it in person where we can.
0: Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing the results of those co-writing sessions. But (laughs) for the time being, we have Message in a Bottle as a song release for people to go and listen to. Kiara, lovely as always to talk to you. Thanks so much, Sophie. Bye. Thanks for listening to the sunburnt country music podcast for more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to sunburntcountrymusic on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.